All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk, live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. Are the Seattle Kraken frauds? I think we may have just found out last night. Let's get into it with the lead. Yes, it is the lead brought to you by our friends at Soho Yeg here on Oilers Nation every day. Soho on Jasper. You know they're going to have the place rocking on New Year's Eve. Why not go check them out? More details, SohoYeg.com. As always, it's the lead. And the Oilers, boy, are they giving us something good to talk about after that big win against the Seattle Kraken 4-3. They scored a lot early on. They scored a ton. And we are going to get to it all on Oilers Nation every day. We're streaming live on the Nation Network YouTube chat. We're going to bring on our guy Liam in a few minutes here to let everyone know what the light goal is. Um, But yeah, it was a big 7-2 win for the Edmonton Oilers. It was more or less, well, second, third shift of the game. Oilers get a power play. Zach Hyman makes him pay. Clem Costin scores about 30, 40 seconds after that. Darnell Nurse after that. And the Oilers were up 3-0 less than four minutes into that hockey game. And... Honestly, I don't really think they ever let up. I know the shots kind of got skewed at one point there. I'll get to all of that in a bit. But really, that was just a tremendous performance by the Edmonton Oilers. And I loved every second of it, as I'm sure all of you did as well. Uh, Give me your thoughts. Give me your takes. What impressed you the most with that victory over the Seattle Kraken? I mean, Connor McDavid, it's, it's weird the point we're at with this guy, where he'll go put up five points. That's something that hasn't happened very often this year in the NHL. But he'll go put up five points, and we're sitting here going, 
eh, he probably wasn't the biggest story from that hockey game. Like, who else does that happen to? Even Ryan Nugent Hopkins, four apples in that hockey game for Nuggy. And we're not, he's not even the biggest story. Stuart Skinner stops 36 of 38 shots. He's not even in my cornerstone three big things from the game. Those were three incredible individual performances, but it feels like we're just getting used to it here in Edmonton because Stuart Skinner, is he's found a groove. He's this team's number one goalie. Connor McDavid has 20 more points than anyone in the NHL, not on the Edmonton Oilers. He's 20 points up on Jason Robertson. That is insane. This guy's going to hit, he very well could hit 100 points by the end of January. Who does that? Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having a career year. Four more assists for Nuge last night. 45 points in 37 games for number 93. Ken Holland, who we're going to talk about in a little bit here. Nice work signing that guy to an eight-year extension. Just over five million bucks. I'd say he's earning his keep right now. Zach Hyman scores twice last night. So many positives. I want to hear your favorite parts from that big game last night. Streaming live on the Nation Network YouTube. If you're watching, hit us up in the chat. Hammer that like button as well. Dr. Gonzo, QF Pro, everyone is in. Liam, you good to go? Can I can I bring on Liam? Yes, he is. He gave me the thumbs up. What's up, Liam? What was the most impressive part of that victory last night? Um, I think the most impressive part was the fact every time you blinked, there was a goal. That was that was pretty awesome. Um, just I think the fact that McDavid played 16 minutes and had five points, pretty cool. I just like the whole team performance was unbelievable. To be honest, like mm-hmm. the way they just came out and just absolutely dominated them. And like I swear, they must have listened to Oilers Nation Radio too because they played a tough game. Like they were, what was it, two almost two fights? I guess like even Nurse got uh, tangled up there in front, ripping yeah. off. Whoever's helmet that was, it was like at one point it showed the hits, and the others only had like 11 or something. But I felt like every single one was like super noticeable. Like even Yamamoto taking that massive hit to get that goal, too. What was it? Was that Yessi's goal? I think it was. I can't remember, but mm-hmm. just a just a great performance and a, a good team performance. And you know what it kind of reminded me of was when. The Oilers were without McDavid for that. Was it the whole game and a little bit of game against Pittsburgh and Drysaddle stepped up, right? Turned it up, yep. Yeah, and today, uh, last night, sorry, they did exactly the same without Leon. And it shows that, like, it's not just those two guys. Like, this, I know, like you said, like, McDavid had five points, and it wasn't even, like, an impressive five points, which is insane to even put words out there like that. But it was... It was awesome. It was just awesome. Like the post game comments from our boy Clem Shady too. Like I, oh I love doing that. Just a guy who's just excited to kind of be in the NHL and just be around everyone. Like it's great to see. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, the Oilers tweeted a video um, yesterday of Clem Costin getting the player of the game motorbike jacket that the Oilers give out in their locker room and or the player of the game vest is what they call it. Um, mm-hmm. And he just kind of said, like, he's so happy to be a part of this team and play with everybody there. And I, I, it's heartwarming, man. Like, that's a guy who struggled early in his career. He really didn't have a place in St. Louis. He was in and out of the lineup, kind of struggled with the expectations of being a first round pick. He comes here, new lease on life, gets a second chance, and he's making the most of it. And I love it. He did something in his post-game scrum where he was like, I'll fight for anybody on this team. You know, he doesn't go out there looking for tilts, but he'll stand up for a teammate if he has to. And th- this team needs more of that. It's it's di- it's a lot different of a situation. I understand that, but like. It reminds me a lot of when Cassian kind of got here in a way. 
of like guys who just needed a fresh start, obviously two different kind of lanes and things, but like come in and quickly, like the fans just kind of grab hold of them and just, they just ride it out. And Clem Shady's like, we've already got Mr. Clem, Clem Shady. Uh, what's the other? Uh, there's a ton more, and it's just like this guy is is just so awesome to watch. And when last night it was just like, yeah, I just try and just go out there and I just try and play for the boys and just do the thing. And it's like those are the kind of characters that like help a team have success on the ice when they're yeah. that kind of person off the ice too. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. The chat is blowing up. There is a lot that everybody wants to get off their chest here, but we are going to get into our three big things from last night's game brought to you by our friends at Cornerstone Insurance, Edmonton's premier insurance brokerage, your destination for commercial home auto insurance, over 90 years of experience. That's fantastic stuff. Cornerstoneins.ca. You'll see a little Oilers Nation logo on there. They give you a good deal if you're a nation citizen. That's what we love about Cornerstone. First up, Liam, I actually thought, again, it was a 7-2 game. It's a blowout. But I thought their defensive game was really solid. And mm-hmm. people might look at the shots and go, well, I mean, you gave up 38 shots. How can your defensive game be solid? But for the most part, that's score effects. When a team goes up by a lot early, they tend to play very safe hockey. You're not really pushing the needle all that often. The other team is doing everything they can to get back yeah. in the game. And that is throwing pucks on net. And if we can flash up the heat map here from uh, from natural statric, I mean, take a look at this. Edmonton, where are all their shots coming from for the most part? You see the darkest area is right in front of the net, and there is a big, big circle of color right around the slot. The Oilers were getting a lot of dangerous attempts. Let's take a look at Seattle. That dark area in front of the net is not that dark. Their darkest area where most of their shots were coming from is from the very, very top of the offensive zone. Everything else is pretty much spread out. The point I'm making here, the reason I'm showing you this is because they just threw a ton of pucks on net from the outside. The Oilers did a great job keeping them to the outside. There was a couple breakaways and things like that, but that'll happen in a game. Stuart Skinner was solid, bailed him out when they when he needed to. Um, but I thought defensively, that was actually a really solid game. And I wanted to point it out because I think the shot totals would lead people to be like, oh boy, Oilers, 38 shots. You can't keep giving up that high of a number. But I actually didn't view that as a problem much in the same way I didn't view the Calgary game and that 45 shots against as that much of a problem either. Because if you keep teams to the outside, you're just making life really easy for Stuart Skinner. If anything, that helps him stay in the game. If he can feel rubber from the outside, they're basically throwing warm-up shots at him the entire game. So I thought the Oilers defensively were solid in that hockey game. Yeah, like Pat statting for the offense last night and Pat statting yeah. for Stuart Skinner in back-to-back games having to stop so many shots for me like you talk about the the defense and that play mcdavid made right at the end of the game when it was already 7-2 comes back and like stick checks that guy to like help skinner out because the guy would have scored right and like mm-hmm. just to just kind of showed the commitment everyone had last night to like play good strong team defensive game and yeah like that's back-to-back games now where the oilers have done a good job of yes allowing shots but nothing like too crazy or anything like that and making life easy on on everyone and that's something they've really struggled with kind of the last two weeks before this last patch of games here is just their own mistakes are, are causing goals and right now these last two games that that hasn't happened they've actually done a really good job of forcing teams to score decent goals against them 
Kyler's in and says, I'm okay with these high shots against from the outside. Love getting that 939 from Stu helping my fantasy team a lot. Love it. Katie said Stu stopped a breakaway early. He did. And he hasn't had a ton of success stopping breakaways so far this year. That was big. I agree. Drew Breezy couldn't agree more, Tyler. One of the only times this year where the decor actually looked solid and just played a simple game, made crisp passes to break out, kept the play going. Yeah, it was it was a simple game was an effective game and again i think you just take that 38 shots against and you just crumple it up in a ball and throw it out because it, it's not that important of a number if you watch that hockey game you know the Oilers played very solid defensively transition play was really really good as well um i want to get to one comment dylan uh was in and said darnell nurse played good last night he had some praise for nurse and nurse mm-hmm. is actually my second big thing for our friends at cornerstone insurance that was his best game of the season I actually don't even think it was particularly close, but he played with some edge when he jumped up in the play. It was effective. Obviously, he scored that goal early on, but he had a couple other looks. And none of the times where he jumped up in the play did it burn them going back the other way, which was a big problem with Darnell Nurse over the last six weeks here. Last night, he was very good at five on five. When he was on the ice at even strength, the Oilers outscored the Kraken four to nothing. That's solid. He played with a bit of a physical edge as well, and it didn't cost him any chances behind him. He picked his spots really well, and I think that game could be a really nice building block for Darnell Nurse going forward. Yeah, and that's it's kind of what he is, isn't he? Like the last night, I think that's obviously like the best we've seen all season. But he's a good defender. The last couple of weeks, he's just been been a bit of a rut, and I suppose it happens to a lot of players. And he's always going to be labeled with the price tag, but. Take that away. He's a he's a solid defender. And last night, I agree. Like I thought, it was it was good to see him get up in a rush. He probably could have had two goals in the first period, to be honest. Like right at the end, he should have probably buried that one too. And yeah, just his physicality. That's what Nurse is. Like he's a physical defender who can help you off a player. So I I was glad to see him kind of get that game under his belt. And hopefully, like you said, that's a bit of a building block for him to to move forward now. Yeah. 100%. Uh, Wally is in, asked a question about holding out Drysaddle till the All-Star break. Ryan Rashog tweeting that Drysaddle was on the ice today, had a good skate, likely won't play tonight, but sounds like it's just a day-to-day issue for Leon Drysaddle. So again, that lines up with kind of what we were talking about yesterday. I believe it's a lingering thing for Leon Drysaddle, and it's just a matter of let's get this thing 100% right now. Give him a couple of days off. Don't put him through the stress of playing back-to-back games. Get him back to 100%. So this issue is kind of nipped in the bud right now, and it doesn't keep lingering throughout the season. You know, last year he played through the playoffs with a pretty gnarly mm-hmm. injury, and he was still really damn good. Imagine how good he could be in the playoffs this year if he's at 100%. So um, the third big thing, you guys are itching for it. Oh, actually, Liam, do we have a light goal? What's the light goal today? What are we at already, actually? That could... Uh, we're at 14. I just looked. No, 22. 22. Um, let's go with... Can we get to 72 in 15 minutes in honor of McDavid? That's what he's at, right? 72, 73? That's a good goal. Yeah. That's a good yeah, goal. If you're watching on the Nation Network YouTube and I see that there's 60 of you, hammer that like button for us if you haven't already. We're going to try to get to 72 to match Connor McDavid's point total. Um, <laughs> how many points will he be at after tonight, though, Liam? Because you you were hitting me with the spicy stuff before the show. <laughs> will Connor McDavid have an eight-point night in honor of Sam Gagne hitting 1,000 games? I mean, it would be the it would be the right thing to do. It would be the right thing <laughs> sure. to do. <laughs> sure. Uh, Connor McDavid, as Tyler Mulek pointed out last night, he only played 16 minutes last night, and he put up five points. Uh, so that means there was a point for every three minutes he was on the ice. That is remarkable. Uh, but the third big thing from last night's game, 
You're, you're itching for it in the chat. We touched on him a little bit, but it is the new fan favorite, Clem Shady. Clem is him. Clem Costin. <laughs> Mr. Clem. All the nicknames. He's earning them. Uh, last night, that goal, the little flip to the backhand, tuck it right under the bar. Nasty. Like, this guy was a first-round pick. He has a lot of skill, yeah. but he's starting to he's starting to grow into the role that the Oilers need. He's mean, took a cross-checking penalty that I thought was a little dirty, but I didn't mind it. And then he's not afraid to, you know, drop the mitts, even though he didn't get a fighting major for that, but who cares? Um, that was unbelievable. Clem Costin has arrived. Clem Costin is exactly what you want in a bottom six forward. And damn it, we got to give Ken Holland some love because that trade was incredible. Clem Costin has more goals for the Oilers than Dmitry Samarukov had minutes played in his NHL debut for the Oilers. Oh, there you they go. have it. They have it, folks. The trade has been won. So the only thing I, with Clem, I think he just maybe just more consistency on being a bit of a pest, I suppose, like to add that physicality to the team. Sometimes he kind of disappears for a game or two, but I mean, also he's a rookie in the NHL at the end of the day or second year, whatever he is like, but he's just, he's just a lot of fun to kind of have out there, like a really fun personality, a depth forward who has a lot of skill and that that presence on the ice, I guess you can say, and someone who isn't afraid. Like what was the quote he said? He's like, I don't want to fight people, but I'll fight everyone if I have to. Like put that on. I'll a stand up that for my teammates. A, yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing, amazing quote to have. And he's just just a good guy. I think we're all gonna love Cleam and I hope he's I hope he's around for a while. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Give him an eight-year, $8 million extension, $1 million per yeah. season. Keep him around yep. forever. Start the GoFundMe. Um, but this is going to lead into like a bit of a secondary conversation, and I'll go off on a bit of a rant here. But yesterday, I put out a tweet after Clem Costin scored his second of the game, and I just kind of said, hey, you know, maybe all those people who are running around on Twitter being like, oh, Ken Holland doesn't have what it takes to fix this team. He can't, he can't make a good deal. He's going to get fleeced at the deadline. It's a little ridiculous. And I don't understand the, call it a chicken little mentality of the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Ken Holland is a bad GM. I 
listen, I'm not the biggest Ken Holland fan in the world. Is he in the top tier of NHL general managers? No. Is he in the bottom tier of NHL general managers? Like some weird portions of this fan base would like for you to believe? No, he's not. Let's go through the moves. Since Ken Holland took over, Lucic for Neil. Okay, they had to give up a third round pick in that deal, which we can all agree was BS because the NHL made up a rule about James Neal scoring 20 goals, even though he didn't score 20 goals. But the Lucic for Neal, Neal trade was good. Neal was buyoutable. That deal worked. The whole point, you were going to have a take a chance on Neal. If it doesn't work, you buy him out. Who cares? You save money there. Okay, that one's fine. A couple of small deals. John Marino wasn't going to sign here. All of that. Tyler Ennis for a fifth round pick. Good depth move. Mike Green for a fourth round pick and Kyle Brodziak. The pandemic screwed that one up. Obviously, we don't know what would happen if there wasn't a pandemic, but that was a fine deal. You go out, you throw a fourth round pick in to get some extra insurance at the deadline. I like that move. That was fine. Andreas Athanasiu for Sam Gagne, who's in the lineup tonight for Winnipeg, and two second round picks. That one's tougher to grade because they lost the deal. Point blank. You lost the trade. You let Athanasiu walk at the end of the year. Pandemic comes. You don't re-sign him. The cap stays flat. Those factors worked against Ken Holland. But what I'll say, and there are people who bring this up as like the shining example of Ken Holland's incompetence. Can't win trades. Remember the AA deal? Think in the moment. Athanasiu was what, 25, 26 years old. Athanasiu had 20 goal seasons under his belt. Team controlled. You didn't have to give up a first round pick to get him. It cost you two second round picks for a guy who at the time we were looking at and going, he can skate with Connor McDavid. He'll be a long-term fixture in this top six. The thought process behind that deal made sense. The process worked. It, I, that was, I, if you could find another speedy 25-year-old winger with 20 goals under his belt already early in his career, I'd give up two second round picks for a guy like that right now once again. They lost the deal though. So, okay, consider all those things. The next year at the deadline, they go get Kulikov for a fourth round pick. Yep, sure, that was fine. I wish he would have gone all in at that deadline. That's maybe a knock against Han that he didn't go all in at that next deadline. Next offseason comes. That's when we get the Duncan Keith trade. Keith and Soderlund for Jones and a conditional third round pick. Third round pick can become a second round pick if Edmonton wins three rounds in the playoffs. They don't, so it's a third. That one is, in my opinion, the just flip of the Athanasiu deal. The Athanasiu deal, they ended up losing. It did not work, but the process behind it was right. You were looking to get better at the deadline. You gave up two you know, mediocre assets for a guy who could help you now and in the future. The Keith deal, I didn't like it at the time, and I thought the process was bad. That is a guy who had submitted a trade list. He was basically only willing to go to Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle. We knew Seattle, Vancouver, Calgary really didn't have much of an interest. Seattle might have. But Calgary wasn't going to get him. Vancouver had just got Neckman Larson, wasn't going to get him. You still gave up a third. You still gave up Caleb Jones and you took on the full salary. If it would have been Jones in a third for Keith at 50% retained, I like the process more. If it would have been Keith straight up for nothing, which again, if you look at the history, moves like Patrick Marlowe, he was still a serviceable NHL player. The Leafs had to pay a first round pick to get rid of him. The value wasn't there on that deal. The process I didn't love. But it worked out. Duncan Keith, important part of this top four, got the best out of Evan Bouchard, was a big reason why the Oilers went to the Western Conference Finals last season. So the, if you're going to knock Holland, and this is just what I saw yesterday on the timeline as well, if you're going to knock Holland for the Keith deal, I don't think you can knock him for the Athanasiu deal. Because again, with Keith, the process wasn't good, but the result was. 
He didn't win the trade, but he got an effective player. And Keith was a valuable part of this team. They miss Duncan Keith right now. They don't miss him at 5 million bucks. But if you could sign Duncan Keith for a million bucks right now, you'd do it in a heartbeat because you know it would make them better. The Athanasio deal, I liked the process, didn't like the result. You see how that's kind of the flip? So the people who are jumping at him for the A deal a few years ago, while also jumping at him for the Keith deal, I think you're talking out of two sides of your mouth there. One of those was a win. One of them was a loss, no matter whichever way you want to cut it up. The Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle deal is one he gets a lot of grief for. Warren Fogle's still playing on this team. Warren Fogle's scoring goals. Carolina had to dump Ethan Bear for a fifth-round pick. I think Ethan Bear is better than a lot of people believe he is. I didn't love that deal. I would put it in the negative column. But the Brett Kulak deal was fantastic, and he signed him to a great contract. The Derek Broussard deal was whatever. The Zach Cassian deal, I like that trade to open up the cap space, but it's Holland covering up for his mistake. The one thing I don't like about Holland is he seems to he seems to like signing guys when they're coming off a heater. Zach Cassian, Darnell Nurse, you know, when when the value's not there, he seems to want to, or when the value seems at its highest, he jumps and signs these guys. In the situation like Ethan Bear, when his value's the lowest, he wants to dump them. I don't love that. And again, this isn't me saying I give Ken Holland an A-plus grade for his work as the Oilers GM. But the people out there who are like, well, he's just not going to do anything good. This, this deadline's going to suck. Can't wait for him to give up three firsts for Gavrikov. It's just a little bit ridiculous, in my opinion. So that's the point I was trying to make last night. I'm not saying Ken Holland's one of the best GMs in the league. He's not. But is he one of the worst? No. I just felt like it was ridiculous. This Costin deal is a clear win for him as well. Even if it is just bringing in a bottom six guy, Liam, I will end my rant. I will have some water. What are your thoughts? I I agree with pretty much everything you said. Like it, it's tough to to just give him like a negative grade on Anthony Siouan. Like it's COVID screwed everything on that. It's not really fair to judge too heavily. I think he's done a very good job of not spending too much. I guess you could say. Like I don't think he's gonna go out and spend a first round pick on Gavrikov. To be honest, I don't think that's who he is. Like that's just he's not that kind of GM where he's just gonna splurge the cash on a guy who's probably what middle middle six middle pairing defenseman like that's just not who he is and i i think a lot of the signings he's made like in free agency like yeah nugent hopkins has been great hyman's been really good like to, honestly to get yamamoto on that deal was pretty solid too for a couple of years like the issue like i think a lot of people are having this with with holland is the stuff that he doesn't do and i think that's what pisses people off a lot is seeing trades go on around the league and it's like oh well why didn't we get him but i think also something to consider is maybe we just don't have the didn't have the pieces to move it like you know like the the darcy kemper one like there was what was that um connor timmons and the first round pick right was that what darcy yeah. kemper went for a couple of years ago well we offered samarukov in a first round pick samarukov doesn't play in the nhl you know, it's stuff like that. Like they just didn't have the piece to get him and everyone just blames him for that. And it's like, well, if it's not there, then how are you supposed to trade for it? It's just kind of confusing. Yeah. But I think Holland's been fine. I think he's done a very good job of not doing what Florida do, where they just throw everything at everyone. And two years later, they're just out of cup contention and have like to, no money to do anything else. Like it's just kind of, I like the, his approach to everything. I don't, I appreciate that he's not like overly risky and he kind of thinks things out, I guess is a good way to put it. Tyler Mulixen had so much hope for AA. Um, he added, though, it's brutal that he's the highest paid GM in the league. I don't care. 
Daryl Cates could pay him $80 million. And honestly, I wouldn't. It's Daryl Cates' money, man. Like, it's not like you're paying Ken Holland $5 million and that goes against the cap. I don't. And there's a lot of talk now, like, oh, how much is this coach getting paid? This, this. I really don't care. Um, you could pay Ken Holland $30 million and it means nothing to me. I care about the player salaries only because of the impact on the cap and the impact it has on building a team. But like, if Jay Woodcroft made $12 million, I wouldn't be like, oh, geez, we need more from Woodcroft. Be, okay, he's your coach. Like, you pick yeah. your coach, you pick your GM, pay him whatever. The rich teams can afford to pay their GMs more. I don't know. Um, I, I, I would say Tyler for people who, are, I, I completely agree with what you just said, but the people who are like critical of Holland, just think about what Shirelli was doing when he was here and we were trading yeah. away our best players for, for nothing or acquiring Brandon Manning, who literally broke Connor McDavid for yeah. Drake Kajula, who was like probably a, arguably a fan favorite. And it's just like, just think about those days for five minutes before you yep. start giving it to Mr. Holland. Mr. Holland, Ken, whatever his name is, Uncle Ken. Kenny, old Dutch. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you're watching on the Nation Network YouTube, loving the comments here, uh, hammer that like button for us as well. Um, Eric says, I just think Holland is hilarious. Sometimes bad, sometimes good. Up and down like a toilet seat. Um, yeah, I mean, great line. I Again, I just think the hate he gets is a little ridiculous. Like this team made the Western Conference Finals, and I feel like the people who hate on Holland are just the people who they have a hard time admitting they're wrong sometimes. Like I, I was mad when they brought back Mike Smith. Wasn't mm. great. I at the moment I was I was pissed. I said you should have went and paid whatever for Kemper. But let's look back on last season. Mike Smith in the last six, seven, eight weeks of the season, one of the best goalies in the league, top two, top three, whatever you want, however you want to cut it up. He was good enough to get him to the Western Conference Finals, Game Seven shutout against the LA Kings, and he made two point six million against the cap. Which again, you needed a cheap goalie because the previous GM had Miko Koskinen on the books for four million bucks. So <laughs> I, again, people will look at that though and be like, "Well, he just kept running back Mike Smith. Like, what the hell was Holland thinking?" It's like, "Well, no, that worked." Again, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth and hate the Keith deal and hate the Athanasio deal. You gotta like one of them, or you can be middle of the road on them both, which I am. So I don't know. I just feel like the people who hate them have a tough time admitting when they're wrong and just want to keep doubling down with this weird. The sky is falling. The sky is falling because they're worried to sit there and be like, like again, at last year's deadline, he played that deadline perfectly. Yeah, went out and made yeah. the unpopular move to get a Vander Kane. I didn't like that move at the time, but I admit I'm wrong. And then he went out and got Brett Kulak, who ended up being great for what you paid for him. He was more impactful than uh, who was the guy? Ben Sherratt was for Florida. And Ben Sherratt cost you more. He cost you a first round pick. And now well, he's not even with you. Yeah, exactly. Now he's not even on the team. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I'd be curious to know whatever, like, what, like, what do people outside of like the Anthony CU? What do people hate the most? Not I hate, but like, what's the move that people are just annoyed about? Like, I just want to know. So if like, just leave your comments and stuff like that. Well, I'm curious. Which again, and I saw yesterday, it's Bear for Fogel. People love throwing that one out there. Bear for Fogel. It's like, well. Bear got traded. It's And that like, was a fairly <laughs> inconsequential move. Like, I don't like having Fogel on yeah. the books at 2.75, but like the right side of your blue line is not an issue right now. CC Barry Bouchard. Right. That's good. Barry's having a good year. People don't like the extension. Sure. He's having a good year. He's top 10 in scoring by a D man. And he's been fine defensively. And he was good in the playoffs last year. So like, again, it's just, people don't like admitting when they're wrong and it's leading them just wanting to pile on all. And that's fine. Uh, Talazin says Campbell deals hurting us. Yeah. Right now it is. It won't, but we'll won't see forever. Yeah. It's a long contract. It could really suck. Like that one could be really bad. But again, the Campbell deal sucks. Kane deals great. Hyman deals great. Nuge deals great. 
Kulak deal's great. Nurse deal sucks. CC deal, pretty good. CC deal's unbelievable. Yep. Yep. Skinner deal's going to be great. So again, I don't know. <laughs> my point isn't to be like pumping his tires. And I feel like I'm getting that way a little bit right now. That's not my point. I'm not trying to be like best GM. Look at all these great moves. But the people who are like, well, we'd be winning cups if it wasn't for Holland. We probably wouldn't <laughs> process. Um, a lot of people saying they wouldn't mind paying big for, for Chikrin. Yeah, sure. Sure. I would too. But again, we don't know what we don't know. There's a lot of like, oh, you give up the two first in Broberg and get Chikrin. What if Arizona's sitting there and their pro scouts and their amateur scouts go, oh, we don't like Broberg. We're doing mm-hmm. it for Holloway or we're not doing it. Okay, are you giving up two first and Holloway for for Jacob Chikrin? Some of you might say yes. I wouldn't. So I don't know. The um, There was people on Twitter talking like last night. I think Mark Spector was actually one of them was saying it would be Dylan Holloway and two first round picks, maybe even plus. I don't know. You could do that, sure. Like I'm not saying that's not. I'm not saying Chickering's bad by any means, but it just doesn't feel like Holland's the kind of the the guy to do that. And also, like maybe maybe I'm wrong, Ty. I just couldn't think of like a deal that was like that blockbustery where you had to give up two first round picks in Holloway. The only one I kept thinking of was uh, Hampus Lindholm last year, but that didn't seem like as steep, right? Or am I wrong? Lindholm Lindholm was pretty steep, and they signed. It, it was that. steep. But it wasn't two first round picks. It wasn't it a decent prospect, first round pick, Jonathan, John Moore, and then another pick, I believe it was. I think that was the deal. And then they signed him to the yeah. ADA ticket. Yeah. Um, and that was a part of it. That's the reason they paid so much, is because they they knew they had the extension ready. Uh yeah, yeah it was Erho Vakanen, John Moore was the cap dump, a first in two seconds. Okay, um, so it's somewhat so, similar, I guess. So yeah, you're looking, if you want to compare like apples to apples, Lindholm to Chikrin, I think the differences are Chikrin's under contract for less. Sure, Lindholm you would have had for the eight-year extension, all that, but Chikrin's younger and, and maybe better. Um, so yeah, you're looking again off that package. It's Broberg, it's a first, it's two seconds, and then a cap dump in there as well. So it's a lot, man. I guess is all I'm saying. And, is, and if you want to focus on right now with the Oilers, if Arizona, if Bill Armstrong sitting there going, it's it's Holloway and it's two first, or we're not doing the deal. Are you maybe better off using those two first, keeping Holloway, go out, maybe Gavrikov's not your guy, maybe he's not the answer, but go out and get whoever this year's Brett Kulak is. Pay a second, not a first. Go use a first round pick on a high end forward rental. Go get that good defensive third line center that makes you better in both ends, helps your penalty kill. Now you've given up less assets. You've improved in two spots. And again, I get that Chikrin has control. I like that. I am not against getting Jacob Chikrin. I'm just not giving up two first and Holloway for him. But you're also trying to win right, right now in this moment. And I think filling two holes with less assets might be a smarter move for right now in the moment going all in, which I think Ken Holland will. That might be a better play for this year's Stanley Cup hopes than just getting Chikrin and saying, okay, now we have no first for the next two years. Those bullets are gone. Once you shoot them, you can't get them back. And you're giving up on another first rounder in Dylan Holloway, who I liked. I liked the tilt last night. I think that's the guy who's going to be a player for you for a long time. I'm not giving up Holloway in a chicken deal. Uh, I'm I'm with you. Uh, we got a question in the chat here, Tyler, and then maybe we can talk about tonight's game too. Uh, I want to ask you guys which which deal do you think can help us out the most? You kind of just answered it then, but is there specific names I guess you want to attach to that? I, I'm I'm honestly really torn on the defenseman side of things because I don't. 
I don't love Gavrikov enough. I don't first round pick love Gavrikov. Mm-hmm. I think I second round pick love Gavrikov if they keep having the money, but I'm not giving up a first for him. I love Taves. I think that's a Ken Holland kind of move. I think Taves is having a good year. I think that's the kind of guy who can come in here and really help this team out. Um, so I, those will be two I just throw out there. But again, I don't know. We need Frank back on the show. He's been off for too long. Yeah. Um, I guess like, you know, yesterday, if you listen to ONR, we were basically screaming at each other about how this team is just soft sometimes and not reactionary yep. to stuff that happens. I think a guy like Gudas would be an awesome fit for this team. Yeah. I think he'd be really, really good, especially in the playoffs. And I've been on this name for a while. I don't know if it necessarily fits because of other players we have of it, but like, Max Domi for me would be an unreal pickup. I think he would be you fantastic. Love I love him because he's just a little, he just kind of like, I know he's a shorter player and everything, kind of like Yamamoto, but he has that buy-in. He's not afraid to like drop the gloves if he needs to. He can score goals. He's doing it quite well this year on Chicago. The thing for me that I, he apparently really likes a coach in Chicago. That's a reason why he went there. So I don't know if they would necessarily move him, but I, I've loved Domi since he was drafted, to be honest. I think he's been an awesome player. And just last thing, I guess, like people are saying trade Barry. I do not think that's ever going to happen. I think Barry's here for his entire contract. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets moved in the offseason, but he's big. He's bigger in the room than I think a lot of people maybe understand. Um, I love the Gudis idea, but you need Florida to fall out of the race or be willing to do yep. something. Um, they have like their blue line isn't that good. If they move Gudis, because you got Ekblad, Montour, Forsling, Gudis. Solid top four. You got four good pieces. If you move Gudis, yeah, you're looking a little thin. But if you're out of the race and you want picks, sure. Like he's making two and a half million bucks. Like that's Gudis is would be my number one if Florida falls out of it. Susie would be my number one if Seattle falls out of it. So again, you need you need to just kind of wait for these things to work themselves out. Uh, someone was saying Gustav Forsling. He's under contract for another year, man. Florida's not going into a rebuild, so I just I don't really see that happening. Sam Lafferty? Yeah, that's a name that's popular yeah. popular right now. That's but again, that's your that's your Tyler Ennis Derek Broussard deal. That guy costs you a fourth yeah. or a fifth. I like he's not gonna cost you a second. I think Holland has the exact same deadline as last season. Yep. I think he goes out and gets mm-hmm. that that's that middle middle pair and defenseman. For probably a similar price, I th- I actually think it'll be Nimalainen is the one that gets moved now that he's proved how fast of a skater he is at the skills competition. I mean, who doesn't want that speed? So I think he'll be gone in like a move with a couple of picks, and then I think you find in a similar guy like Derek Brassad. Like thinking about it now, like obviously the f- the offense hasn't been there the whole time for the forward group. Like a lot of them have struggled, but now Pugliavi has a couple of goals in his last few games. Yamamoto's mm-hmm. back and contributing big. Uh, like supposedly Kane might be back like sooner than we think, which is interesting. Huge. Like Fo- Fogel's had his moments. Like, I don't know if the forward group de- necessarily needs anything big impactful. Like I said, Domi would be great, but I feel like we're going to get someone similar to like a Derek Prasad. So maybe, maybe a guy like Lafferty is kind of the pick or the player they go out and get. I, I think he'll get, I think he wants to make a forward splash. I think that'll be a bigger move. I agree. He's going to get a Kulak esque piece. He'll get a depth piece. Pugliarvi is going to be moved out to make money work at some point, And he's going to mm. go, okay, we got to replace that piece. Cause Pugliarvi is playing in the top six. Um, and he scored last yeah. night, which was great to see as well. And then I think they panned on the broadcast, like Yamamoto's family. I was very confused. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's uh, Oilers Nation every day. Streaming live on the Nation Network YouTube from the Sports Closet Studio. Oilers rocking the reverse retros tonight against the Winnipeg Ooh. Jets. 
If you want to get your own reverse retro sports closet has a ton of players and they have a bunch of the gear as well. Like they have, it's like a starter jacket style thing with the reverse retro logo on the back. It's sick. Um, head to their website, sportscloset.ca, or if you're in St. Albert, Sherwood Park or by Kingsway Mall, you can swing in, check them out in person. Sherwood Ford giant pregame edition of the show brought to you by Sherwood Ford and their mobile service center. It works. There is a link in this YouTube description to check it out right now. Um, yeah, let's get into things here. The Winnipeg Jets rolling into town. Oilers on the second of back-to-backs. Liam, this is a Jets team that is having a really damn good season. Connor Hellebuck's yeah, kind of been yeah. carrying them for the most part, but that's fine. They scored a decent clip, even though they're banged up right now, but they don't give up a lot of goals. Their penalty kill is good as well, and they're competitive in a very competitive central division. Uh, we can take a peek at the standings here as well, which show just the wild card and the Pacific, but a big reason why Colorado is in a wild card spot is because teams like Winnipeg and Dallas are having such strong seasons. So with all that being said, point I'm getting to tough matchup tonight, especially considering you're on the second of back to backs. Yeah. And possibly without Leon Dreisaitl too, like it's going to be a difficult game for the Oilers, but also Winnipeg's missing a couple of plays too. Like Elas isn't going to play. And then Blake Wheeler as well. Like they're not as deep as they usually are in the, in the forward group, but the end of the day, they got Connor Hellebuck between the pipes, and that guy could could win a game on his own any given night, right? So, yeah. when they're a very good team, and like you said, like division they play in, they have tough games every single night. They don't have, well, I guess, they do have like an Anaheim in Chicago, but and we lost Anaheim, so I'll take that back. <laughs> but yeah. The, um, yeah, they're they're a good team, and uh, Josh Morrissey has been great for them this season. I believe he's going to be in tonight, right? There's reports saying he's back. Hey, you know what? Let's just get right into uh, the lines for the Winnipeg Jets because you are right, Liam. Josh Morrissey is healthy and back in the lineup, so not great timing from an Oilers perspective there. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois on the top line with Kyle Connor and our boy Sam Gagne. More on him in just a second. Mark Shifley with Adam Lowry and Carson Kuhlman. Kevin Stenland with AJF, Axel Johnson, Farabee, and Morgan Barron. Gustafson with Asamont. That's a handful of a name. And Jansen Harkins. And then on the blue line, it's Morrissey with DeMello, Sandberg with Pionk, and Dylan with Vili Hanola. Uh, They're banged up. They're missing Ehlers, missing Wheeler. That hurts them a lot. This team isn't very deep. The injuries are impactful. But at the same time, Connor Hellebuck's in that, Liam. So that's a guy that's tough to beat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he's he's a fantastic goalie. And it's funny, you say Neil Pionk. He's, so, he's one of those players I just forget about until you see him. And you're like, uh, that guy is such a pain in the ass to play against. So I'm not excited to go up against him. Um, but yeah, like, they're not as deep as the Oilers. And like, the Oilers are nope. going to be missing Kane, obviously. Dreisaitl's likely not going to play either. But Oilers still look strong because RNH is having a career season. And stepping up to the Oilers, and like last night, he had four points. So hopefully, the Oilers can build some momentum from that big win last night and kind of move into it. Um, I guess we'll jump into the Oilers right away. But like people are asking, goalie tonight? Are you going Campbell? Are you going Skinner? I think it's such a tough call. Oh no, really man, know. you can't. You it's too early in the season to be going so? with a guy on back to backs. It's you go with Campbell tonight. Give him his moment. No. Let's see if Campbell can steal you one. You need Soupy to come through. I mean, I agree. Eventually, you've got to play him. You've got to yeah. play him. But I just, I don't know. It feels like every time we think Campbell's going to play, Skin plays. Like, I would have played him last night, probably. And even the Anaheim game, I would have played Campbell and Phoenix. And now here we are. And he didn't play any of those games. It's just, uh, sorry, Woodcroft has just got us all playing 
What's, what's he saying? He's playing chess while we're playing checkers or whatever. Like, I yeah. truly have no idea what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't either, man. Um, but I, I think tonight it's safe to assume it's a Jack Campbell start. Um, the rest of the Oilers lineup, we don't have a ton of details on it because obviously they're not skating today. Uh, but this is what they rolled with last night. I'm expecting more of the same from them this evening. I liked the McLeod Fogel Yamamoto line. Thought that was good. Nuge actually has some sneaky chemistry with Costin and Yanmark. That's yeah. all fine. You know, maybe you consider going 11 and seven if Broberg's healthy, but I would expect same lineup tonight for the Edmonton Oilers with Campbell starting over Skinner. Cause again, just too, it's too early in the year. If this was game 81, this was game 75, and it's like we are in a dogfight for a playoff spot, Skinner starting, but we're not. Yeah. It's December. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you don't want to have that controversy in the dressing room at the moment or conflict with the coach. So, yeah, maybe Campbell's the guy. And you know what? He's been okay. He's been better, Mm -hmm. I guess, is a better way to put it. Uh, He's got that new pads. We got to test those out. We got to get those not as stiff or as stiff, whatever. I guess he wants him stiff, right? With the rebounds, it's very hard to predict. Just stop the puck, Jack. I don't care what you're wearing. Just stop the puck. Uh, Sam Gagne going to be in action tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. Playing on the top line. Top six, Sammy G, 1,000 mm-hmm. games in the NHL. He hit that mark the other day. I fully expect Sam Gagne to get a nice little video ovation tonight from the Rogers Place crowd. I, I'm sure the team will put something together. 1,000 games for this guy is wildly impressive. And not impressive from the perspective of like, oh, well, he was a sixth overall pick. Yeah, like you, the Oilers were expecting him to be a franchise center of sorts, right? But when you go through his career... To get to a thousand game in the NHL when you had the expectations of being a top 10 pick. And then from there, remember 2015, 16, that guy was in the American League. 2018, 19, that guy was in the American League. Reinvents himself every single time and bounces back. Like that time he went to Philly, was not good, had to go down to the American League, reinvents himself with Columbus, power play specialist, bottom six guy, learned to kill penalties found a spot in the league for a few years comes back to Edmonton again he was in Bakersfield for a bit actually in the Oilers organization too but he comes back to Edmonton puts together some good games and then he goes to Detroit finds this role as like a guy who can mentor your young players he can come in and out of the lineup almost like a player coach at times and the Jets scoop him up again this year a thousand games is a huge accomplishment for this guy he was one of my first favorite Oilers when I was a kid I loved him um, and it's great to see him hit this mark and kind of carve out the career that he has because it's been a great one yeah I mean when I moved to Canada in 2007 that was Sam Gagne's draft and yeah. I remember seeing him walk on the stage so he was like my first Oilers memory, I guess you could say, was the Oilers drafting Sam Gagne. So it is really cool to see him get a 1,000 games, and it's cooler to see him get it close to like, like it's 1,001 tonight. But it's like really good that it's still kind of fresh in everyone's mind. And hopefully like the Oilers do something. I'm sure they will. They're really good at this stuff. And just to honor him, because he was a great Oiler, just a great yep. leader, you know? Like for some guys, like... They don't want to go and play in Bakersfield for a handful of games. Like they'll just say no and sit in the stands. But he went down there and played and spent all those years in Detroit. Like he has like eleven playoff games played or something. Like this guy has been through the thick of it in the NHL and he's he's made it all the way to a thousand games and it's just it's just awesome. And he hasn't he has an eight point night to go along with it, which was something I think every Oilers fan will remember forever. Yeah. Um, it is a double short for giant game day, Liam, because not only do the Ooh. Oilers play at eight, but we got Canada, Sweden at four 30, the annual new year's game at the world junior hockey championships. And 
this tournament has been unbelievable. Like this is the first year I yeah. felt like the hype was really back for this thing and it's lived up to it. Like the upsets, Canada losing to Czechia. Um, even today you had Slovakia losing and they had a chance to clinch up first in the division more or less or in their group. So things are complicated right now. But here's the, I think the easiest way to put it. Right now, Czechia is beating Germany 2-0. They should hold on to that. If yeah. Czechia holds on, Canada can't win the division, correct? Yes, there's only one way they can do it, and that's if Germany winning regulation and Canada yeah. winning regulation, or maybe overtime or something too, I can't remember. Yeah. But basically, so, Germany have to win. So it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It's halfway through the game. Czechia is up to rip on Germany. So there are two scenarios. If Canada beats Sweden, they will either play USA or Slovakia in the quarterfinals. If you lose to Sweden, you play either Finland or Slovakia. And that will basically be based on the outcome of USA Finland because would the winner of that one is going to come first. And then if USA loses, I think they're third. If Finland loses their second, Slovakia's third, right? So you kind of see how those three yeah. can sort themselves out. On the flip side of that, Canada is either coming first, second, or potentially third as well. Yeah, like... Very confusing. It's, there's a lot going on there. I, I guess from a Canadian perspective, they just got to win tonight. <laughs> they yeah. got to win to like prove that they're not frauds, I guess you want to call them that. Like It's great sure. to have two big wins over Austria and Germany. But if you can't be Czechia and Sweden, then you're not really true contenders in the tournament, right? So yeah. they've been a lot of fun to watch. Like even that game, the first game, like it was, it was a weird one. Like, I, yeah, it was definitely entertaining. I don't, I don't know. What did you think about the Michigan attempts? Two of them. <laughs> I thought it was a I, bit much. I, I, I don't yep. hate the move, but it's got to no. work. And I think in a big game like that, it's kind of like a. And especially a game where you lose to a team that's worse than you, quite frankly, it kind of showed like uh, you thought you got too cocky. Yeah, uh, they definitely got a bit humbled, I guess is a good way to put it. Did, but to yeah. come out and score however many they did against, what was it, nine against Germany and then 11 against Austria. So you have 20 goals in two games. Like, hopefully that's some kind of momentum builder for them. And like, I mean, Conor Bedard, holy smokes, like, what a player. I remember I was lucky enough to actually see him play before he went to Regina and stuff. And he was just this 13 year old kid playing on West Van at the John Reed. And it was a bronze medal game. And he just absolutely lit it up. And everyone I spoke to was like, this kid is going to be special. And now here we are, like essentially on the world stage. And what does he have? 14 points in three games. 14 points in three games. (laughs) And he's already like, it's. It's crazy, and he's brought what is he? he's tied with Eberle for the most goals at a World Juniors for Canada, and he's not even drafted into the league yet. It's That's it's crazy. absolutely insane what he's been able to do, and I'm I'm so excited to see what he can do. Obviously, the rest of the way of the World Juniors, but also like when he gets to the NHL, because we all know what the conversation is going to be. And I yep. I'm I'm low key hoping Vancouver might get him just so we see it often. Like, I just want to see it a lot. They want the best on best. And to get Bedard versus McDavid four times, three or four times a year would be fantastic. Yeah. Canada, big time favorites in this hockey game. You mentioned Bedard, though. Um, I mean, you get no value betting on him. We'll get into our Betway bets in just a second. But the thing that I find funny, and it really shows the gap between Bedard and the other guys his age. So Connor Bedard, draft eligible, he's 17. He is the best player in this tournament. And it's not even that close. Like the gap between him and the guys who play in the NHL already. Like there's a gap there. 
Mm-hmm. Adam Fantilli is expected to be the second or third overall pick this year. He's a depth player on Canada. Yeah. Playing on like the third line or whatever. And Bedard is like leading. He, he's leading the tournament in scoring. And the guy who's going to go second overall is like, yeah, he's a decent third liner at this thing. It's wild. It 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 is insane just how good he is. And like you said, like the difference between him and other players is kind of like a couple of years ago. McKin- Do you remember when McKinnon and Jonathan Duran both went? And it felt like they were both like very close in kind of where they were. And but they're like these two to compare, like it's, there is no comparison. Like the Conor Bedard is uh, probably the best player this draft has ever seen since McDavid. Most high like, prospect since McDavid, a hundred percent. And like before yeah. that, it was Crosby. So he's just he's such a special player, and uh, yeah, he's just exciting. But I, I will say one quick thing about Canada. If they don't advance to like at least the semifinals in this, I think for the on ice brand, for like for, for the on ice of what Canada does, they have to reevaluate this massively because countries are catching up to them big time now. Yeah. The US is right there. Czechia is going to lead the group. Like there was only a few years ago they were like fighting against relegation, weren't they? Like it's kind of nuts. Like Finland too. Like Canada needs to figure out a way to get these best players playing more often like the u.s development team for example has their team like basically u.s development goes all the way till u18 and then you go off to college or whatever just put a team canada team in the chl somewhere maybe you play a year in ontario quebec then western league and you have the best players playing on that team and that's how you develop and then when you go to these tournaments you can actually win the things it wasn't long ago there was 13 what was it 13 first round picks from the u.s development team they're like spencer knight and trevor zegras cole caulfield like Canada, I think it's got to change a little bit. So you want to see them put together like a national development program similar yeah. to what the U.S. does instead of just having kids go off to their junior teams. Yeah, and I and I think it also helps other junior players too because then they take those big roles. And you're not taking anybody out of the league. Essentially, you're making yeah. it more accessible to more players. CHL would never bite on that. They would never. never it would never happen. <laughs> but um, All right. Liam, we got to get into our Betway bets because we are creeping up on an hour on today's show already here on a Saturday. Um, let's start with Canada. They are minus two and a half goals is what you have to bet them at to get even money. Do you think they can win by two and a half tonight? Uh, I think they can. I don't know if I would risk it to do it because it's a tough, it's an important game for both. Yep. But sure. uh, okay, we're, go- we're going rapid fire style um, with this one. Give me someone to score on Team Canada. Who do you like to score? Can't pick Bedard because Betway doesn't even have him up. <laughs> Uh, Stan Coven, Logan Stan Coven. I will say Shane Wright. I think he's an experienced guy. I think, you know, him being a little bit more mature than the other players, I think he'll start to shine through in the big game. So I will go with Shane Wright. Let's talk about the Oilers game this evening. The over hit last night. I'll be honest. I don't love the over this evening mm. just because of a guy like Connor Hellebuck between the pipes. The Oilers are minus 130 on the money line. Liam, do you like betting on the Oilers tonight? I mean, I like betting on the Oilers every night. So wow. yeah, I'll try and I'll try and manifest a win. I'll go with that. But we spoke about him earlier. Darnell Nurse has been rocking recently and he's been hitting his shot prop a lot. I think it's three or four games in a row now. Like he's shooting. He's definitely shooting. And then I thought it'd be fun just to see if McDavid could get another three point night, which seems very likely. And I think it's funny that it's only plus 162 because of just how often he's hitting this. So those are the two favorites for me. Oilers money line too. I'll go with that. Try and manifest a good end to the year for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, I mean, my thing is if you're gonna bet on the 
Oilers to win a game. Might as well just do the Oilers to win McDavid two plus points parlay that Betway offers up. It's plus yeah. 140. Why not? Take a stab at it. Um, you could also, if you're feeling Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Oilers to win plus two points for Nugent Hopkins is like plus 300. So that's not a bad spot either. I'm tailing no. you on the nurse shot prop though. That is the official bet of Oilers Nation every day today. Mm-hmm. Darnell Nurse over two and a half shots at minus 120. I think that is a solid spot, Liam. So good stuff there. Give me a goal score for the Oilers as well. Um, I will, I'll go with Yams. I think Yamamoto deserves one. I think he'll get one, get the, get the crowd going. All right. Usually on our Saturday shows, we like to cook up like a big parlay though, right? Do you want to do that? I'm ready for it if you want to do it. Yeah, let me just uh, let me get all set up here. So we're obviously throwing in Oilers puck line because he needed to be juicy. We're not throwing yep. together a big play that's going to be safe. So let's no, go no, Oilers no. puck that's line with this bad boy. We'll, we'll do. We'll throw in the nurse yep. shot prop because we both lat. Let's get the yams going now. Okay, so we'll go with. Do McDavid two points, or do you want to yep. do three? Mm. <laughs> Let's go two. Let's go two for McDavid points. Got to find that. All right. Okay. And then, uh, let's go Nuge over one and a half as well. Yes. And then what are we at there? Do we need one more? Because if we do, I got I got one. What is it? Why don't we go Hyman? Hyman. If if McDavid's Hyman getting three points, goals. Hyman's got to get a goal, right? Just kind of feels how it goes. Sure. Uh, 45 to one, Liam, is what we're looking at on that bad boy. If you want to tail us with our juicy parlay, puck line, Yamo and Hyman to score, McDavid and Nuge over one and a half points, Darnell Nurse over two and a half shots. There's your big juicy parlay today. Shout out to our friends at Betway, 19 plus, as always, please bet responsibly. QF Pro is in and says over one and a half power play goals. Twisted says Holloway's going to follow up his fight with a goal today. Kyler just said send it. Why not? Over one and a half power play goals always. Kyler also commented, Ginger Beef in all caps. Shout out to our guy, Reed Schaefer. Picked up an assist in Canada's victory the other day. Uh, Liam, we are running out of time, my guy. Yeah, we are. It is a big sports day. (laughs) This flew by, but it is a big sports day. Uh, Before you leave the chat, if you're watching on YouTube, hammer that like button as well. Maybe we can scoop up our last 13 likes that we needed right here at the end. Shout out to our friends at Sherwood Ford, the giant. Again, if you want to learn more about their fantastic mobile service department, link in the YouTube chat. Sports Closet, Soho, Cornerstone Insurance, Betway, and you, Liam. Happy New Year's, buddy. Thanks to everyone who yep. tuned in in the first couple of months. This was a lot of fun. We're going to keep it rolling in 2023. Yeah. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope everyone has a good night. Hopefully we're celebrating a, a sweet, sweet Oilers victory. And if you're at the rink, give Sam Gagne a nice round of applause from us, too. He deserves there it. There you go. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'll be back on Monday with a new edition of the show, and we will chat with you then. Happy New Year.